Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Zeal, and I get to have some incredible conversations with people all over the sports industry about why they love it, why they work here, how they got here, and how the heck they're taking it to the top. Today, I have Kevin Trung. He is the manager of esports and gaming at Princess Margaret Cancer Foundation, as well as the founder of Strange Gaming Group. Kevin is a super interesting person. He is very much into continuously improving himself, which I really love. That's a, that's a path that I'm on as well. But it is really interesting to see how he has taken something he loves, like esports and gaming, and is applying it to a cancer foundation, the biggest one in Canada, to help other people around the world and to utilize it as esports and gaming as a vehicle for donations and a vehicle to raise funds for this cancer foundation. It is absolutely fantastic. So please enjoy the heck out of this conversation I have with Kevin. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you say your last name a little bit better than I do. Uh, today I have Kevin Trung, manager of esports and gaming at Princess Margaret Cancer Foundation, founder of Strange Gaming Group, and former performance coach of esports at the University of Toronto. Kevin, appreciate it, man. Thanks for hanging well, out. Smooth. No, thank you for having me, Michael. Uh, it's a pleasure, and it's. Uh, no, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, so. it should be fun. Esports is something. Um, obviously, Reed Reed uh, Trimble put us together. If you're interested, go check out Reed's episodes a couple back. But um, yeah, Reed Reed put us in contact because I was looking for more people in the space, and esports has always been super interesting. I played a lot of video games growing up, like hardcore, like Final Fantasy VII is my favorite game ever. I don't know how many hundreds of hours I put into Skyrim, um, but that's kind of, you know, when I hung out in college. So, you know, substances were usually involved and we were hanging out, having a good time. But um, I don't really play too much anymore. I'll be totally honest with you. I really don't really don't play games too much anymore because I love them too much and I know that it'll take over my life. Oh, Kingdom Hearts. That was another one. I don't even know how many. It was hours. awesome. It was amazing. And, and, and you're right. There, there are certain games I just have to stay away from. When, like when they had World of Warcraft re, uh, re-released the classic, I'm like, no, I'm not going to play. <laughs> exactly. Right. Like it's, uh, yeah. It's so hard for me personally to kind of stay away from some of that stuff. So just the esports world and the gaming culture has always been super interesting to me, and I kind of watch it from an arm's length. Um, I also my day job. I work with Olympic athletes a lot, and esports will be in the Olympics, whether old people like it or not like that's a whole rabbit hole oh goodness that that could be a whole separate podcast no it was actually reed and i did an entire episode like like an hour long on like what is it going to look like how is it going to work what is it like that whole thing so it was really interesting um so i'm very i guess the key takeaway from you and reed from that conversation like what did you guys land on obviously it's a lot longer conversation yeah it's gonna happen 100 percent. 2028 is probably going to be the first time so la so it's pretty much like the if the perfect place it would have debuted was tokyo right? Like, let's be honest, where is a more yeah. perfect place yeah. for gaming to to debut in the Olympics? Not going to happen there. Um, but there's a huge event happening. So 2024 in Paris, there will be something. But 2028 is probably when it's going to actually like blossom and blow up. And considering how fast esports has moved in the last five years, the last three years, the last 15 months, um, we don't really know what it's going to look like in eight years, right? We're really curious kind of what the whole thing's going to even look like. So the biggest takeaways are it's going to happen because the IOC wants to make money and uh, 
from there, we'll kind of just see what happens, I guess. And that was it. It's like, it just makes too much money to turn your eye away from. But when it comes to, we're not, we don't even need to get a debate on whether it's a sport or not, because mm-hmm. that's a whole different debate. Yeah. But it's, I guess it comes back down to like the values of the Olympics. It's, mm-hmm. it's like, does it fall in line with, like, there are a lot of games that are violent. I wouldn't even consider mm-hmm. them very violent, but like they, 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 they kind of are. And so when you have people competing on like CSGO or something like that, do the Olympics, even though it makes a ton of money, can they actually have this as a thing as like yeah. an event you know and so that's just a don't know how they're gonna get over that hurdle but so so right now what they're looking at or the the initials have been rocket league because it's huge and then mm-hmm. all of the ironically all of the uh i'm gonna huge huge air quotes real sports or traditional sports <laughs> the video game yeah. merges it to like the nba 2k league like they would have that as an olympic sport which is that's, I think that's, that's interesting. It's interesting. <laughs> I would prefer like a, a, a like an actual. Not to say obviously NBA Two K is not an actual video game, but like I don't I don't know. I kind of separate those two in my brain for some reason. Like sports video games and then yeah. video games. Maybe it's me. Uh, you know, hand up. Maybe it's me. But no, no, you're you're like, absolutely right. There's a whole debate on whether games are sports on its own. But then okay, which games are actually esports? Like some people are oh, like Fortnite's not an esport. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah, and it's yeah, like yeah. it's and that that's I, not I think even 2K the, is the wrong debating. way to go. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like I would rather. <laughs> like yeah give me call of duty man like i want to see that give me halo 2 and like let's let's go on some crazy maps you know like that something funny like that would be cool but it's, it's going to be something non-violent and it's probably going mm. to be at least the first dip of the toe in is most likely going to be sports games like nba 2k mlb um you know madden those types of things because there's a huge audience for all of them um mm-hmm. but granted comparatively it's not even close with all these other games so it's, it's like it's not even close ridiculous. and like just because you have games in the olympics doesn't mean you have gamers watch or all exactly. that like people need to understand the games are very siloed off like just because i love league of legends doesn't mean i like dota or like vice versa mm-hmm. and i don't want to get into too much uh vernacular like obviously with your audience and whatnot let me know if something if i'm saying something like hold on what the heck does that even mean teach so- us man we're here to we're here to be taught <laughs> yeah. we're here to learn don't worry you're good you're good um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, it's so, so yeah, thank you to Reed. I guess we got on a little tangent there, but he's a good dude. And, uh, you know, he, he taught yeah. me a lot about the sport, um, and you know, the games and everything that's going on. So I'm really grateful. So I know just a little bit more than the average bear, I'd say. So I'm very happy about that. But, um, Kevin, yeah, yeah let's, let's, let's dive a little bit deeper into this. So the first question I always like to ask everybody is why do you love sports so much? Man, sports, I don't even know where to start with that. Like one, it's very fun, competitive, like all those kind of like strings of things. But I think I love the act of learning something and getting to practice it with people and all that. And I guess, well, I'll, I'll take it way back. Why did my parents were for Like they put me in every sport possible, whether it be basketball, we did karate, swimming, like uh, volleyball, anything. And we didn't have much money growing up. And it's, it's like a nine in hindsight. I'm like, how the heck did they even afford that? I can barely pay my own bills. Now it's like, how did they put me in all these different sports? And, and when I was kind of thinking about it, it's like my parents wanted to keep me out of trouble. You know, it's like they, they were first uh, generation immigrants. I'm second generation sports is that thing that just keeps you occupied keeps you like focused and the more i'm playing sports the less i'm on the streets you know like tired tired right like you can't go out and if you're not you're not awake that's exactly it and it just teaches you so much it teaches you like something like self-talk like self-talk if you talk anything about like mental performance self-talk is one of the most important things and sports is the place where you can really it's so prominent you know it's like that's where you can start teaching yourself like you start 
being aware of, whoa, this is how I actually talk to myself. How can I actually fix that? You know, I didn't realize that until I was a little bit older, but in hindsight, playing all these different sports, like I, I wish I could have gone back and done it a little bit differently. I didn't have like mentorship when I was younger. I didn't have, like I had great coaches, but mm, there were great sports coaches, not necessarily great, like, Mm-hmm. Like, overall yeah, coaches yeah. right and so I, I guess sports like it's that thing where you can practice anything that you can practice in sports you can pull that out into your life in general right and 100%. and and that's what i love that's why i love working with athletes now is i use sports as a vehicle for them to practice something but in, in the future they can take that away and like they don't have to just do that in their sport they can just do that with their everyday living so that's I kind of want to digress into all these different no, directions. No, 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 it's, it's 100% yeah. true though, right? Like, you know, self-talk is, is, is huge in sports. I mean, you listen to any athlete now. I mean, LeBron James just signed a gigantic deal with Calm, right? The, uh, like the, the headspace counter, um, you know, the, the headspace, um, uh, yeah, counter, whatever. The meditation, sleep, yeah, 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 yeah. Thank yeah. you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, and it's, it's awesome. You know, I, I meditate every day I have for the last almost 400 yeah. days at this point, and I have – seen wow. myself it's 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 one of those things where if you do it once or twice or for a week nothing's gonna happen it's when you do it for six mm-hmm. months straight and you look back on it and you're like oh wow okay yeah i can definitely see it's such incremental it's such small steps that it's it's one of those things where you know you don't notice yourself growing when you're younger you just look back and you're like wait i've grown three inches in the last you know x days like that's pretty crazy it's that exact kind of thing man and understanding that process, like when I'm working with athletes and we're talking about like goal setting and nutrition and all that, and we talk about food, it's okay. If, if I went to, if I ate a bag of chips today, nothing would happen tomorrow. I probably feel a little crappy, but if I ate a bag of chips for two weeks, I might gain a pound or two. Yep. I do that for a year. You won't notice. Right. And it's the same vice versa. If you're eating healthy, you might feel pretty good that day or whatever, but do that over a sustained period of time. You will reap the rewards. It's a compound effect. And just understanding that you won't see any reward for a little bit and you got to trust the process. Right. So hundred percent trust the process. Are you a basketball fan by any chance? I'm a basketball fan. Yeah. Uh, I'm more of an NFL fan. Cool. But I'm a, like I'm a Toronto Raptor. I'm just like a let's Toronto go. sports fan in general. Yeah. yeah congratulations. Yeah. Hopefully, let's see what they can do this year. But we'll, we'll we'll digress on that a little offline. I was just curious if that was a 76ers yeah. reference. But you know, I totally agree. Trusting the process is <laughs> is totally necessary when it, it comes to a lot of aspects of life. And and you, I, I think you hit on it. Like sports can teach you. The, what those aspects are, right? Like working hard, like just working hard one day is not going to do anything. Working hard mm-hmm. consistently over a period of time will. Self-talk, eating, eating correctly, practicing, um, you know, practice makes perfect. No, perfect practice makes perfect. No, like just putting in the work and learning and understanding what you need to do and, and repetitions is what's going to get you where you need to get. And that's why um, you practice, right? Like you, you don't practice yeah. for fun. Nobody practices for fun. You practice so that way you can perform when you need to perform mm-hmm. and, and you know you make, you make a, good, a lot of great points there man so you know kudos to you great stuff kevin this has been a great like 13 minutes so far i'm loving it we're we're, we're oh, rushing i can't yeah. wait dude i can't wait this is i just need awesome. I, I need your guidance to keep my head kind oh, of, dude, i got you i got you yeah, i've done like yeah, 200 yeah. of these don't worry you're perfect you're perfect so so talking more about esports um i want to kind of just understand it again so reed taught me a lot i've had multiple conversations with him multiple recorded conversations which is cool too but i, I like just talking to people in the industry just to learn more because it's it seems like it's changing almost on like a daily basis at this point it is insane some of the stuff that's going on so as a profession as a career kind of where you sit and you know scholarship opportunities are three things i'd like to hit on a little bit like where how long have you been in esports for and how have you seen the game pun intended change 
over that period of time? Uh, unprofessionally, I've been in esports since I could, since little Babylon, like yeah, okay. <laughs> since Warcraft, yeah, yeah. way, 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 way back when. Go. And it's always an it's always an area I kind of wanted to move towards. And the reason I kind of moved towards uh, like the mental performance coaching stuff is because I got a. I got this chance to work with athletes who are high performing athletes from underprivileged areas. And we've been doing that for about five years and just learned a lot. And, and it's, Hey, how could I take what I've learned here and just kind of transfer it over to the esports world? Because there's so much low hanging fruit. I, I've like, I've got a chance to meet all these different players and they're not even close to kind of performing at what I think they can be. Um, and so I started, that would have been about, uh, I think two years ago, I, I did that for, with the uh, U of T. Um, it was great. It was, it was, it was got amazing feedback with them. It was a huge learning curve for me just because there's so little infrastructure with that. It's like you have University of Toronto uh, competing against, like who don't, they don't have any scholarship program. They don't have all this funding or whatever. And they're playing against these American schools that have full scholarships. They have like this whole coaches, like, it's like all this stuff. And it's like, it's such a un, uh, uneven playing field right now. Um, so that was just something I, I did as a side project. And so strange gaming group was that business entity that I came up with for that. And the, the, the reason or the rationale behind the name was, I think every time I have this conversation with people, people look at me strangely. Like that was the thing. It's like, whatever I do, whatever I be working with university of Toronto esports athletes or doing esports and gaming stuff for charities, people give me the same look. Like what? Like, what are you talking about? Like, and so I, I, there was a belief where all the great things come from something very strange at first. And so that's, that's the, the, the rationale behind the name. Um, so did that for, yeah, with, go ahead. With, with, um, as you said, like with some of these American schools that have full scholarship programs and coaching, when did that start? Like when did esports athletes start to get an opportunity on the athletic front in terms of, Hey, you know, you can come here, play video games at, at, at its core. Right. And you can yeah. get a scholarship for it. The new, it probably started coming out a couple of years ago. Like that's like the most recent one I'm like, I'm thinking of where you actually saw schools building facilities, gaming facilities and uh, releasing scholarships and all that. Um, in North America. Yeah. It was, it was probably a couple of years ago, probably from, from, from my perspective, like I, I, I'd have, um, and it's, I think it's just, it, it, especially at like a school like University of Toronto or like Ryerson or these schools, like you have a lot of international students and in there. You have a lot of, a lot of the international students are some of the best <laughs> esports players in whatever game. And so if, if, even from like attracting different types of talent or if you're a school and you just want more money, right? Or like, yep, like obviously if you want, like, you can do that, but it's just such a, it just seems like a need at this point. Like you have so many students who want it. Why not just, support it like help it right so 100 percent. no i think i think it it, yeah. it makes sense so with like obviously so you built a career within this um being mm -hmm. a professional gamer you know certain ones make a lot of money too and it. it's it's insane and yes. to them they deserve it um i mean clearly the opportunities are there and they're growing significantly but at what what rate like where where's the bubble or or how when you know like when is when is this we're, we're kind of on like a honeymoon it feels like still for the last like five years of just like anything that goes into gaming yeah. it feels like it hits and everyone's happy and everyone's making a boatload of money like i mean i know yeah. you're not a fortune teller but like from your, the inside what does it look like and and what are some of the precautions some people are taking to say like all right like let's maybe tamper some of this down a little bit or let's let's look a little bit in other directions and certain things like that i think 
when it comes to, when it comes to esports, like the actual esports industry uh, isn't as profitable as people think it is at this moment. People really? are spending a ton of money. You have these big investors pouring money into these esports teams and whatnot. And I don't want to get into all the economics of that kind of business, but the returns, like you only get your returns. Other, you get your returns from your sponsorship and media rights and all that stuff, or you get them from prize money. You can get them from different ways, but a lot of the money is actually from the influence these esports players have. Like, you have people who are just very good at the game and just focus on performing at that, and prize money is their main pool or sponsorship or whatever it might be. But you also have very, uh, very good players or professional players that also live stream. Like, like they have a whole audience on the side mm-hmm. and like, mm-hmm. and like, and then you have, and, and so that now you have these professional players are like, do I go the influencer route and just kind of stream? I already have a huge following and I make a, probably way more money like this sustainably, but, or do I go the professional route? And when you have players kind of at this crossroads, you can't, do I try to be entertaining when I'm streaming or do I try to like, it's like all the, all these, um, it's, I guess coming back to your point, it's, I don't think it's anywhere near where it it can be. Uh, I think people, a lot of people, are trying to figure out um, proper economics and, like, for example, Overwatch. Overwatch is doing this thing where they're doing a homestand where uh, you have, like, in Toronto, there's going to be a stadium where they have mm-hmm. games and people can go and whatnot. Will that work? Maybe. Like, it, just because stadiums are filled from these massive tournaments doesn't mean you'll have home games filled all the time. Like, do I want to watch Toronto Defiant or the Toronto Ultra or Defiant, Toronto Defiant play all the time? It's Defiant Ultra is a Call of Duty. Defiant is uh, Overwatch. No, not really. <laughs> like, no, I'd probably watch it online or something. Do I love those live events? Sure. Um, and, like, how much money goes into that? You know, like, how much does the franchising cost? Or, like, even uh, owning that the rights to that stadium for a certain amount of time. So there's a lot of money being poured into that. And Overwatch, will Overwatch last? I don't know. Like, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a risk as well. Because mm-hmm. unlike uh, basketball, like, NBA just owns, like, all basketball. It doesn't own yeah. basketball, but there's no it other place basketball. to watch basketball. Exactly, like, yeah. Something like Overwatch, it's like, if, if a different game comes out and people don't like the new patch in Overwatch, can you sell these stadiums out still? You know, it's it's a really, esports is really interesting. I, I, I tend to, I want to support the esports communities and infrastructure as much as I can, but I'm, I, 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 a lot of where I add value is not talking, like, apart from the player side, but more on the business side is how do I help gamers and brands and come together and actually create something meaningful, right? Mm-hmm. It's, you, you can't, if you just create advertisements in the gaming world and there's, it's kind of inauthentic and it sounds kind of cheesy and it sounds like you're trying to yep. force yourself here, you will be pushed out so quick. You'll actually lose money so fast, you know, like, and so how do you kind of finesse that? And I think that's where I add a lot of value in Very the cool. gaming world. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 And I think it is really interesting. The, um, you know, it's, it's, I always, you know, again, Reed and I had that conversation a little bit too, like having, having these specific teams in cities and, you know, obviously it's worked for the NFL, it's worked for the MLB, you know, it's worked for all these traditional sports, but traditional sports grew up on a playing field. They did not grow up with the opportunity to go t- stream Twitch to see someone at three o'clock in the morning in Korea and then go stream and see what someone's doing in New York at the same time and watch them play the same game like that's that's kind of where it grew up so it was very confusing to me that they thought this was a good idea now yeah as you said it might work right like it it completely might work maybe you never know Uh, i've saw i've seen some of the parties that have been throwing i have a gentleman i'm connected with on linkedin uh just got a job with the houston team Uh, i can't remember which if it was call of duty or overwatch but it looked nuts it looked like there was a lot of people there and they were having fun and maybe that will work maybe the the live 
if there's a live experience, people will go see it, right? Like that's just a hundred percent, but you're also mm-hmm. right. Like, well, what if the patch on overwatch pisses people off and less people want to hang out there, right? Like there, it, it could be no. so fickle because we're dealing with technology and everything moves so fast that I think it can, um, it can be scary, but I also think it's, it's kind of cool. Too. Super scary, risky and cool. Like football's not going anywhere. Basketball's exactly. not going anywhere. Yep. Do they, do they change the rules every year? Maybe be yeah, sure. But still going to watch, watch it, right? Exactly. 100%. <laughs> like, Overwatch, no. You can literally put a patch that people don't like and you lose, you lose people for like a period of time. Like that's the risk. And I'm like, I, I wouldn't invest in that risk. Do I want, <clears throat> sorry, esports to flourish? Absolutely. Do I think you need to do that with home stands? It might be too soon, but honestly it's, it is incredible that they're they're doing something like this, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's scary as a gamer because if this doesn't work, you're going to scare off a lot of investors. You're going to scare yeah. off a lot of people. But like, I'm going to stay your fucking away from this shit. Like, <laughs> and so, 100%. a lot of brands actually have a, a fear of leaning in, but a fear of missing out. They know they need to be in this space because this is where the millennials are. This is where the money is. But how do we actually come in mm-hmm. and not lose money, right? Yep. And so, no, that's 100%. the biggest problem for brands right now. And I, I agree. And as you were talking about before, like if you don't come off as authentic, people will that you could sniff that man. It's like blood into a water for a shark. Like they know and they could see it and just like, what is this? This is ridiculous. Yes. Get it away from me. Because again, we, we're the ones and you know, the younger generation, we grew up with commercials. So we're so easy at tuning them out, right? Like immediately yeah. a commercial comes on. What am I doing? I'm looking at my phone. Like it's whatever. And if I'm scrolling on Twitter, Instagram and I see something, I don't follow that account. Scroll. Goodbye. Like it's so easy for us to, to do that. And now if you're going to integrate it into things that we love, and see and and it's inauthentic and you're clearly not speaking to me you're speaking at me and you're clearly just trying to get me to buy shit that i don't need immediately gonna write you off like it's 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 incredible yeah, it's actually it doesn't it does you've actually spent money at the disservice yeah, like, it actually people exactly. like yep. you right now. yeah 100 percent. yeah like you you spent money for me to get angry at you and now dislike your brand like that's all that happened so exactly doing it the correct way is the most important and so so going into what you're doing a little bit at uh strange gaming group what exactly do you, do you set on the business side, you help connect brands and, and these athletes. Is that what um, Strange Visit, Strange Gaming is, is based around? No, so Strange Gaming Group was, uh, was purely based on helping the esports athletes and players kind of be their best. Like that, that was the premise okay. behind it. That was kind of my stepping stone into the gaming world because that's where I thought I could add the most value right off the bat. Um, so something like working with the University of Toronto team, I had this workshop as soon as I had this workshop, we had, they have an A team, they have a B team kind of, we had a, a, a workshop. I was kind of, I just kind of asked them the question. Cause the, I mean, the first thing is like, who is this guy? And like, it, and I'm working with players that are some of the best in the world. Like these are top 500 in North America. It's like, I'm like a silver rank compared to them. I was like, why does this guy think he can teach me to be play the game better? Well, let's talk about what your goals are. Like I always align with, let's figure out what your goal is and I'm going to share with you how I think we can get there. And if that makes sense to you, then let's keep working on that. So I guess the year before I came there, they lost to Western University. Um, Western University was apparently a much better team than them. They were, they were top eight in North America. And I asked them, like, are you guys better than Western? They're like, no. I'm like, okay. I, then I asked them, if you guys played your best and Western didn't play their best, could you guys have beat them? They're like, yes. Okay. So how do we get you playing your best more times than not? It's a simple equation. <laughs> Great. Let's let's look at let's talk about some certain things that help you play the game well. Like what what makes you 
play the game well? What are some of the challenges? They talk about focus, concentration, being able to think, and all all this, all this stuff is very basic to sports in general. Focus and concentration. Great. What is focus and concentration? It's an allocation of energy uh, for a specific thing for a specific period of time. What is that? That's energy. That's glycogen. Like just kind of breaking down the basics of it. All right. Then how is your sleep? How is your eating? How is your exercising? Like it, it's just like kind of connecting the dots for them. Like if you if you're sacrificing your sleep and you're doing all nighters before a game, how could you possibly expect yourself to play your best? How could you possibly expect yourself to focus? I'm gonna articulate this, and the next time you sacrifice your sleep or your food or whatever it might be, and you don't play well. You knew it. You you made that conscious decision to not to to not give yourself a chance to play your best, and so that's where it all started. Um, and just like that, and just kind of setting up plans with each and each individual player's goals, but and a team goal, and kind of working with them. Like I'm not. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not like a professional sports coach or anything like that. I just, I think what I do with people is kind of just ask them questions and see life, like see things a little bit differently. Like I think when it comes down to it, it's kind of helping them craft their personal philosophy, their beliefs, their values. And this will affect your mental performance. Like this will affect your, your playing. I'm helping you with your game, but my actual end, my big goal is to help you in life in general. Right. It's like, you've sacked like some players I mean, before certain games they're trying to finish their lab before the we're, we're like setting up for a game against a school I'm like hey like you know when you do something like this you're sacrificing your goal <laughs> like this is what this is why you do homework if you don't care about school but yet you're trying to get your labs done and stuff do that in advance and why are you doing it in advance so it gives you time to practice your craft put yourself in the right mindset to give yourself the best chance to compete when you need to compete it's just stuff like that and uh it really resonated with them um it kind of digressed all over the place when I worked with them just because something as, as, as simple as teamwork, like the difference with esports and sports, like the main difference is when you're trying to get noticed and you're trying to climb the ranks, it's a very individual thing. Yeah. You're on like a team of five, maybe, but you're trying to carry the game and you don't actually get to talk to people when you, you might type or whatever, but when you're actually playing as a group of five and everyone's on communications and stuff and people are communicating quite poorly to each other, like, what the heck was that? Why'd you do that? Or this is, it, it, I remember our best player was like, dude, that was such a shit idea to one of the other players. And the guy just like took it so poorly. And then mm-hmm. at the end of the day, he actually wanted to help him, but he just didn't know how to communicate it. He exactly, just thought it was yeah. a, a terrible. And it's just like, okay, do I, I have to take a step back and kind of work on the basics now? With It's not just mental performance. This is just like fucking teamwork. And like, how to talk to man. each other. Like, yeah, let's yeah, talk. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting point. I mean, it is, it, but I mean, it, it, you, you say that and it sounds so obvious, but this is things that professional like you know nba nfl mlb these teams still work on that stuff like we think it is so obvious right but this is something that happens in you know the most household of sports that people need to communicate better and they need to they need to do this better and you know you have to work as a team and it sounds so rudimentary but it's it's there it's 100 percent true and I think that's also why it's so complex. It's a very, like, just because it's simple doesn't mean it's easy. And it comes down to, I think, awareness. Like, I'm, and, I, and I think that's like one of the biggest things of meditation. When people talk about meditation, they're like, is, when I say it, you sound kind of like convoluted because it's kind of woo woo. But no, there's a, a lot, if you understand what the purpose of meditation is and trying to focus on your breathing and all that, like focusing on first of all, breathing is very important for a, very, a variety of things. Very, very, very water, like, those things are great. But if you don't even like, and you're, if you're in a very stressful moment or a very anxious moment, your breathing is probably very shallow. 
do you even have the awareness to notice that you're, you're breathing a shallow to fix it? Like that's like, that's just step one. Right. And so just because you know what to do, doesn't mean you actually can do that thing when you need to. And so can you, and you're, if you're playing a game or you're playing a sport, can you catch yourself getting angry? Can you actually catch yourself or do you just get angry? Right. And so step one is just awareness. And then step two, once you become aware of the things that aren't serving you when you're competing or whatever it might be, what are the tools to help you get better at it? And that's a lifelong, that's a lifelong hundred percent. hundred percent. So as I said before, I've, I've, I don't remember how many days it is. I lost count. Um, or at least I stopped counting and, uh, you know, and I'm not the best at meditating. Like I'm not going to sit here and say, I'm, you know, sitting there for an hour every day and just crushing it. But it's one of those, you know, five to 10 minutes every single day, focus on my breathing. And the thing is that's helped me the most is the awareness, right? Like you're sitting there breathing, trying to keep your mind silent and, and, you know, kind of leave it there. So a thought will come in. Okay. Notice the thought. Okay. I see it there. I understand it. Now I'm going to get rid of it and go back to where I was. And that's, what's helped me the most personally is because now when I hear these negative thoughts come in, I can say, no, this is a negative thought. This is literally doing nothing to help me right now. I'm going to get rid of this thought and replace it with something else. Right? Like that's been the number one thing that I've gotten from, from the practice that I've done. And, uh, it has helped immensely. Am I perfect at it? No, I still have negative thoughts all the time. We're human beings. That's how it works. But, and sometimes I'm not great at getting rid of that thought, right? Like sometimes it just doesn't go away for a little while, but it's the awareness and the adaptability and the understanding that, okay, this is negative. I need to get rid of it and move forward. Um, so, so you, you handle mental, especially, especially in the moment. And I think, Oh, sorry. That's, that's my cat. I don't have my cat out the door. Really quick. One second. Yeah. I'll open the door for my cat. What's your cat's name? Yo, my bad. I didn't even know the cat was in the <laughs> All room. Good, man. All good. What's your cat's name? Uh, his name is George. It was my girlfriend's cat. Obviously, I inherited it. Awesome. 20-year-old cat. Whoa. <laughs> Still going good strong. Him, uh, up in Toronto. Isn't yeah. it cold up there? It's very cold. He's an yeah. outdoor cat, and he's been indoor, and I think it's just killing him. <laughs> oh, poor guy. I get that. Anyway, anyway. Great, back great, to that one great thing. cameo by George. Really do appreciate that. <laughs> I should have put him on the camera. Um... It's being able to kind of flush out those emotions so you can compete in the moment, but then later coming back to it, it's like, why did I even feel that? It's like, I don't think, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to realize, but I, th- I think people need to understand that you need to come back to these emotions later. Like, don't suppress these emotions, learn why you feel them. And it's like, and it's, when, you, when it comes to mastering emotions and I'm no master of my emotions, but I kind of feel like I have pretty good steps in understanding them. It's, it's not suppressing emotions it's learning how to feel them understand them but also choose the emotion you want to feel at a certain moment right if i'm getting mad i can flip that and get it okay how do i actually be happy or you know it's it's it's, that's just the basics of it or even how to utilize it right like if you're nervous and you feel butterflies like okay well how do you use that feeling to push you forward rather than hold you back like if you recognize yes. that and you say, okay, that means something good is going to happen and you, you train yourself to think that way, that when you get that feeling, it's a good thing, then yeah. you can kind of flip the script on your own body and your own you know, biology by saying, okay, I feel it's not nervous anymore. Now I'm excited. Now this is something that I'm excited to do and let's go forward with that, right? That's it. And I think... It, it, because obviously uh, anxiety and like, the, the symptoms for anxiety and excitement are, are similar, yes. but it just took, it just takes one person to tell you to like, yeah, they're kind of, they're kind of the same if you look mm-hmm. it up. And, and so you, you, I go through like my own, my, my whole life, not knowing that until like uh, I read a book or like I hear like Simon Sinek talk about it or something like that. I was like, Oh my God. He's <laughs> and so that's kind of what I do with the youth athletes is kind of share things I read and what works and, and whatever idea kind of 
sticks with you, use it. Because like, I think ideas are incredibly powerful where if I have one idea that kind of shapes a little bit of how you think, changes how you act and shapes a belief in a positive way, that's worth it for me. And like, I'm not going to pretend to be a professional anything. I just read a lot and I, I experiment with myself all the time. And, and it's like, that's, it, it's interesting was I went on this whole self-development, self-growth, like journey, like I kind of, it, it was, yeah, it, I went on this journey because there came a time when I was working with these athletes and they were making decisions on their life direction. And I'm like, I need to know what the fuck I'm talking about. Like, it was like, I felt like this imposter syndrome. And so I was like, I need to grow myself in order to provide more value to these athletes. And uh, the mentorship program that I got to do about five years ago, which I still do today, it changed my life. So that's awesome, man. Do you want to tell me a little yeah. bit more about that mentorship program? Yeah, it's called Power Project. Uh, about five years ago, I was working at this company called MedCan. We uh, provided uh, executive medicals to it. It was it was directed to more affluent people first because it was preventative healthcare. Preventative healthcare here, you have to pay for it, unfortunately. Um, and uh, but that's what I believe in. I believe that a lot of the things that people get sick from, you can actually avoid it. Like you can avoid it by understanding. It's like diabetes. You can tell when someone's about to get diabetes long before they get diabetes if you just test them and kind of change their habits, right? That's like the the basics of it. But this company launched a program called Power Project where they bring in about five athletes for four months at a time. These are athletes that are kind of excelling at their sport, but come from very underprivileged, underserved areas. Like these are high risk uh, athletes. Um, I was the youngest probably one of the youngest at the company at the time. And they just asked me to substitute one time. Uh, and ended up just share my story because my story was kind of interesting, mm-hmm. but I won't get too into that. But uh, I ended up hitting it off the kids. And uh, they, they asked me to come back um, uh, more often. And I remember speaking to this one girl. She was talking about uh, her sum- what she would do in the summer. Either stay as a camp counselor and make money or do a free internship at uh, Sick Kids. Um, she wanted to be a nurse i'm like well i'm gonna let you know i don't know what to, i don't know what you should do and i don't know your financial circumstance but i did a free internship and i got this job like i, I went from working at a restaurant making pretty good money to coming here and i didn't know I, there was no guarantees but all i knew was my parents were there to support me and whatever happened from like, i knew by doing this it would set me up for a better future than just working at a restaurant and i had to sacrifice my short term for a long-term long game. 100%. I didn't know shit at the time. That was just like per, through personal experience. She's like, I'm going to do that. And I'm like, oh, crap. She, she's literally going to do something that will change her, probably change her life. I won't know what happens. And so at that moment, I picked up my first self-development book. And it was, it was incredible. It was, it was uh, I wouldn't even recommend the book now. But it was just like my first book of someone teaching me something. And just went down this whole path of just everything self-development. And what are, what are some of your favorites? I think one of the cla- it, it depends on where you are in your life. Uh, I think Great the classic is is like Carol Dweck mindset. Like that's just the basics, like growth mindset versus fixed mindset. Um, I'm actually well, the power of habit by Charles Duhigg was pretty good to understand your habits and all that. Uh, I don't want to get into the more philosophical stuff, but I guess. It, it, you know what? Tony Robbins is a really good uh, gateway guy into like yeah. this whole self-development stuff. And I, I, was, I was turned off by him initially because I never, because he was just everywhere. His commercials are everywhere. I'm like, I don't want to learn from this guy. Mm-hmm. And I remember one of my, uh, one of my mentors at the time was like, he's actually pretty good. Like you don't have to believe everything, but yeah, he's got, exactly. it'll, it'll get your foot, your, your foot, that's for sure. And so that helped me. To, in, yeah. And so just started consuming all that. Um, 
the book of joy by the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu was actually really good. It, they're both religious. I don't really consider myself very religious, but the, mm. all the principles of understanding exactly, joy yeah. and life and all that were, were fantastic. So just, that's just a couple of them. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Uh, Cause I'm, I'm, I'm looking for, uh, I have two books on my list right now that I have to finish and then need mm. another one coming up. So definitely appreciate those dude. Um, and you said before you didn't want to tell me your story. Do you not want to tell me or is it just too long? Oh, no, that was just like a whole different story because I used to be in the, the music industry before all really? that. And I went, I was a DJ producer. Like I nice. um, was uh, opening for uh, international acts. I came to Toronto. I don't know if, I don't know if, government nightclub was a big name for you guys but it was a huge name here right now mm -hmm. and so i just got to open for a lot of those people and started producing music i sold my music to nickelodeon ytv Disney no Channel. so it was That's like pretty cool but, but my lifestyle was crazy like I, I remember doing that and then getting my internship at mad can at the time mm -hmm. and i'd be playing shows to like four in the morning on thursday and then friday I'd go to work at nine it's like Ooh. holy crap i need to kind of figure this out yeah that and could so difficult and in the nightlife scene, like it, first it was amazing. It taught me so much, but at the same time, it wasn't a lifestyle that I could sustain. I was and gonna it, say. Oh, there's tons of people that can that do it well and are very disciplined. I, I was young, and it was it was a fun time, and so I ended up stopping playing shows and whatnot. Continued producing music, um, but producing music requires a lot of time. Like I'm the kind of person, if I'm going to do a music session, it's going to be like a six, seven hour session where I get into it. You know, it's like, I couldn't just do two hours here, one hour here. It, that just, that doesn't, that's not how my creative flow works. And so kind of just lost my passion for that. And I guess I was doing music for the wrong reasons at the time. Like it was just, it just got me a lot of exposure, all like free nightclubs, all this stuff. And it just, and then when all these people wanted me to make, I remember I had my music manager, my agent at the time, like, oh, you should start making music like this because this is popping. Or you, should, you should do this or that. Or I'm like, you kind of make music for other people rather than making it really for yourself. Mm -hmm. And then the people that like it, like it. You know, it's like when you're trying to make it for someone, it's very different than you just making exactly. it for yourself. Exactly, right? 100%. Man, you've had, a, you've had a long and winding road, huh? Dude, and, and it's, it's funny. I, and we're, we haven't yeah, even gotten to what you're doing now. So um, that, I, I was going to bring that up in a minute. But like, man, you are, you are all over the map. I love this. I think because it, it's truly curiosity. Like when I get curious about something, I go all in. Like I like, I, I, I put 400% into it because I, I just, when I like something, I really like something. Right. And, and it's, um, yeah, I think it's, people always ask me like how I find time to do all these different things is like, I just, because I'm, I'm so excited to do it. I squeeze in every moment of time mm -hmm. to do it. It's like reading. Like I don't force myself to read or listen to podcasts. I love it. And so when I'm on the subway, I'm always consuming stuff. I'm always like, I'm always just doing the thing I love. And, and I guess it's not time management it's energy management. I always feel full of energy because I'm always doing things I love. And, Coming like being able to do work right now, where I get to combine my love for gaming, uh, my passion for the cause that I'm working for, like for cancer. Like I was supporting them long before I was there, and I love business. I love business strategy. I love business books. It's, the whole thing's like a game to me. Like it's like who has a better mm -hmm. thing and yeah, can execute. Yeah, yeah. It, it actually is a game, right? And a better D20, right? That's all it comes down. And to, you man. can literally like look like the more you read, the more you can like you can actually increase your level as cheesy as that sounds like yeah. you're growing right and so i get to, when i do that as a job i don't feel tired when i come home do i, do I show sometimes of course i do but it's like i come home and i'm like oh 
can't wait to chat with Michael. You know, it's like, it's mm-hmm. just go chat with shit. I already love anyway. So it doesn't exactly. even matter. Yeah, yeah, man. And I, I can hear it in your voice. I can see it in your face. And that's, that's my favorite part about it is uh, my favorite thing to do is to hear somebody who is extremely passionate about something and listen to them talk, whether I know what the heck they're talking about or not. Um, there was a moment in my life, uh, Back, I was in. I did. I started in finance, and I absolutely hated it. So thank God I'm out of finance now. But um, I sat down at a table, and there's a gentleman from some mutual fund company just explaining how he put together this fund, and listening to him talk about what he did and how he did it was amazing. I had no idea what he was talking about, and I didn't care because I was pretty much one foot out the door at that point. But I loved listening to him talk, and that's just been something that's resonated with me. Like just listening to people that are excited and passionate about something is fun. I don't care who you are or what they're talking about. It's just enjoyable. And I can see it and I can hear it um, through your voice. So I'm, I'm very grateful. So thank you very much Thanks, for, for hanging out with me. No, I thank it. you, man. Thank you. Thank you for having it's, um, And I guess that's why I always kind of, when I'm working with people, it's like, what do you love doing? Because like, mm-hmm. if you're worrying about money, don't worry about money now. You like you can turn anything into a business, exactly. and in something like working with athletes, uh, because it's like a, a sports podcast. I'll, I'll, I'll talk. There's this one athlete. Her uh, I won't talk about her name, but she was the best wrestler. She was she's not last year. She was a gold medalist uh, at a national level. Didn't have a single point scored her in wrestling, and she just was dominating. And when she started competing on an international level, she started losing and, and sending me all these like text messages and whatnot. And, like she was feeling really down. And I, I asked her like like why do you wrestle? Like like why do you like why do you do what you do? And she, she doesn't even like wrestling that much. She's so good at it. Mm-hmm. She doesn't really like it. You know, it's like okay, well that's a, that's already a problem. Mm-hmm. And why you're feeling what you're feeling might have to like. I ended up asking her how she introduces herself, and she I, it, I naturally you introduce. I'm a wrestler, or I'm a basketball player, I'm mm-hmm. a volleyball player. You identify as that thing now, and when you start losing, it's like, are you still that thing? And it's like when I was talking to her, I was like. I don't, yeah, you wrestle, but I see you as a very hardworking, disciplined individual who just happens to be putting all her efforts into wrestling right mm-hmm. now. If you, if you don't want to wrestle, you don't want to wrestle. It's fine. But if you, and it's like, if you're chasing a gold medal or anything like that, like ask yourself why it's, it, that's a finite goal. That's great. You can do everything in your, like, if that's what motivates you, great. But you, at some point you're going to need to find that infinite goal. And maybe I'm just going to, like, this is not telling you what to do, but maybe that gold medal gives you a platform to help youth women in mm-hmm. wrestling or whatever it might be. I don't know. I can't tell you that, but it's just starting to think about how do you take what you love and help people with that thing you figure that out not only will you be happy you will make money too it's yep. it's just a lot that's of money. A, it's, 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 it's not very cool yeah it's not very cool and it's and it's because you love it you put more effort into it than any like anything else so mm-hmm. 100 so let's let's segue perfect segue you're really good at this man good for you oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> um segue into what kevin's currently doing so as i said before manager of esports and gaming at the princess margaret cancer foundation when you first explained this to me I was so confused and had really zero idea of how all of these things come together. Um, not when you first explained it, because when you explained it, it made sense. But when you first said it, I was like, what do you do? I, don't, I tried to explain yeah. it to my girlfriend a little bit earlier, and I'm not very good at explaining oh. what you explained. But just, just the way you've gone about it, I think, is, is awesome, and it makes sense. So I will, I will cede the mic, and I will let you just explain yeah. what exactly you do and how you do it. I'll do my best to articulate this in a way that makes sense to someone who, to an audience that might not game. And if you please interrupt me and ask questions as you go. But um, 
I work for Princess Margaret Cancer Foundation. We're the biggest cancer charity in uh, Canada. And my job here is to help them venture into the esports and gaming space. And that's where I lose a lot of people. It's like, what the heck? Exactly. Like, what, yeah. what, do you, what, do you, what does cancer do in the esports and gaming space? Like, right? I don't get it. So, okay, let's, if you look at what charities are, challenge, are being challenged with as a whole, it's uh, the changing donor demographics, primarily from baby boomers to millennials. So they need to figure out how to engage that new demographic. Uh, it's the rapid shift in technologies. Like you have all this new technology and tools coming out. How do you actually keep up and utilize them to its uh, full, full capabilities and the disruption of traditional fundraising models, meaning that as millennials, you, you can kind of support anything in any way. There's just so many different things to do. And so your classic walks or bike rides or all that, like they're starting to plateau and they're actually starting to um, decrease in, in size. And so as a charity, how do you figure all this stuff out? Gaming, the whole gaming industry is actually perfectly positioned to not only overcome these challenges, but really capitalize on it. And I'll give you... Um, well, well, one, in the gaming industry, it's the millennials are the, the, the primary demographic. And two, the technology that we have today to raise money in the gaming world is has never been seen before. Uh, so, and I, it, it, my title is esports and gaming, but right now it's focused more on gaming because I don't want to go into the esports side because as professional esports teams are trying to find their philanthropic or CSR angle. That's something that we're going to work on. But right now you can raise a lot of money through people who stream themselves, play video games. Don't know how much you know about that, but uh, for example, for yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So for example, super famous streamer, his name is Dr. Lupo. He ended up doing a 24 hour stream during Christmas time and you could watch him. And as you watched him, you donated money and he ended up raising $2.3 million in 24 hours just through his audience. And it ends up, but let, let me describe it a little bit better. Let me use the sports analogy. So if you're thinking about what I'm watching, think about LeBron James. Think about LeBron James in his offseason and he's playing ball with his boys, like Chris Paul and all, all, all those guys. And you could see he has a video, he's a GoPro on, but you can also see him and he's talking to you while he's, he's doing his thing. And he's talking shit to Chris Paul. He's teaching you what he's working on today. Maybe it's his hook shot or something. And he's like, all right, I'm going to set up a man like this. I'm going to do that, blah, blah, blah. And as soon as I donate money to him, he's like, oh, thanks, Kevin. He pops up in front of thousands and thousands of people. And it's like, what if I donated five hundred dollars? Oh, I'm only gonna play with my left hand now. Thank you. Like it's like all this fun interactive. It's this experience that doesn't exist outside of the gaming world right now. Um, so like that's like the 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 basics of it where you already have people streaming themselves play video games, and it's a primary form of entertainment for a lot of people. Uh, charity is becoming prominent in this space because people are finding something they love, like streaming themselves, and they can do it for a cause they believe in is super easy. Like if I'm watching someone uh, I typically watch on my phone and they're playing and I want to donate, I just tap my thumb on my Apple Pay and five bucks and go them, goes to them right away and they just thank me. And so the, the, the actual process is incredibly simple. But let's talk about what peer-to-peer fundraising is and what makes it really, uh, really powerful. It's it's storytelling. When if I'm actually if I'm if I'm trying to raise money for a cause I believe in, like for example, I do the ride to conquer cancer every year. I bike 200 kilometers um, from here to Niagara Falls, and I raise about three thousand dollars. When I engage my network to help me raise money, they don't really care about the cause too much. They care about me. They're, exactly. they're like, yep. I want to support Kevin and the thing mm-hmm. he believes in. Mm-hmm. So I, so as a cha- like Princess Margaret, I need to find more people like me, but in the gaming space. But instead of people on my social media 
when you're working with video game streamers, you're working with their audiences and their online communities that span outside of Toronto. It is global, you know? And so it's like, how does Princess, Princess Margaret is huge in Canada, but how do they actually go global? Well, one, let's find Canadian streamers who have an affinity to Princess Margaret because they're, they're most likely to have an authentic connection to us. When they decide to do something, some sort of campaign, their audience is global. They're not just Canadian. And so that's how you bring our brand into this space on a global scale. And then you can get really creative with different brands, different sponsors to, to actually for this campaign. It's not just a 24 hour stream. Like what if uh, we're working with a streamer and okay, for the next hour, every donation that comes in is going to be matched by State Farm or whatever it might be. Yep, you know, it's yep, like, yep. there's just so many creative ways to do it. And the premise comes back to this is where the eyeballs are. This is where people are spending their times. Technology is incredibly simple for people to do this now. Now it's our job to create experience out of, out of it. Like all these mega fundraising events that Princess Margaret does, how do I do that in the digital world for everyone? When like, philanthropy is an emotional thing. Like you, you do it because it feels a certain, it, it aligns with your beliefs or whatever it might be. It, it's an emotional thing. So how do I make sure as soon as someone donates or if someone's even fundraising, that A, I make it as easy as possible for them to do it, but B, they actually feel like they're making an impact. They have a sense of fulfillment. They have a sense of community and it's fun, entertaining. There's this whole thing, right? And so, um, Hopefully that made sense. <laughs> like, yeah, no, no, no. You did, a, you did a great job. Um, you did an awesome job at explaining it. And, and just, I mean, I think it's such a great idea too. I, I mean, I did not know. I've heard Dr. Lupo's name. I've seen, you know, Ninja, obviously. And I've seen kind of the people's like, hey man, thanks for the, this, that, you know, thanks for this 50 bucks. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Give him a shout out, that thing. Um, I never realized they, they, that many of them utilize it for a philanthropic cause. Um, I think that yes. part is incredible. And even as like an emerging streamer, it's something where audiences are asking their streamers to do because it's fun. There's new engagement tools to do that. Um, like remember last year, this guy didn't do, he ended up hearing about us on the radio and it wasn't, we didn't have a gaming campaign then, but he ended up doing his own game campaign. He only had 200 followers, but he raised $10,000. You know, it's like, and wow. he was just shocked. I ended up interviewing him. Like, and just like, he's like, I just didn't expect everyone to support in the way they did. It was just such an incredible experience. I can't wait to do it again this year. My audience loved it. It, it, and he doesn't have like, any followers you know it's, it doesn't matter because each community is so niche and so connected to that one person it doesn't matter if you don't have a big audience right and what's, what's super in, kind of exciting for brands I'll give you an example of Ninja and uh, there's a YouTuber Mr. Beast and how everybody won so Ninja was doing a, a charity stream for St. Jude and every time you donated $250 he would drop his gun every time you donated $500 he would drop his gun or drop his resources or something like that in, in Fortnite Mr. Beast is this YouTuber who has about 20 million followers on YouTube and he makes money by donating lots of money and making content out of it it's a really cool business model so what he did was while uh, Ninja was uh, playing, he donated $500 every two seconds, really fucking fast. And, it, and Ninja was like, what the heck? What's going on? I can't even, like, and he's already really good at the game. And it ended up being this really fun thing. And Mr. Beast donated $50,000 in this very short amount of time that went to Ninja, which went to St. Jude. What Mr. Beast did was he took this content, put it into a 10 minute video and was like, hey, sponsor, I believe there was Humble uh, or, or something like that. Like, mm -hmm. hey, uh, don't quote me on that. I actually forget yeah, what the sponsor was. Okay. Hey, sponsor. Um, be the sponsor of this for $50,000. This video is probably going to go viral and this will pay for all everything I spent on the charity. That video did 41 million views. This, so this sponsor spent like $50,000 on 41 million views. That money went directly to Ninja, went to, which went to charity. And 
everybody ended up winning in the end. Like it's like, because there's so many eyeballs and you only, because you have so many eyeballs and you just have, it's a global thing. It's such a simple process. You just need to be creative in, in order for everyone to win in, in this world. So, and so that, that's incredible. Shout out to all of those gentlemen that did that. I mean, that's yeah. really funny. And as you said, it is a really engaging way. If you can affect what's going on on the screen, right? Like if you donate 250 bucks, I'm going to drop my gun. Like that's something you can affect. Like how many games, you know, how often do I watch LeBron or how often am I watching Kawhi Leonard and saying, all right, Kawhi, uh, throw pass, pass the ball or shoot the ball from wherever you are. Like that is something yes. possible because you can have this engagement that you're literally, there's nowhere else in any sport that you're having an engagement like this at. And it's, it's amazing. The person that donated that gets the recognition in front of everyone that's watching. Yep. Like, yep. So this is like, when you understand the actual drivers of behavior, why people do what they do. Yeah. There's going to be certain people that just care about the cause and do that. But there's certain people that want that recognition, want to, to be part of this thing. Like, and that's kind of, where I've seen the biggest gaps were for a lot of charities coming into the spaces, they see the tactics that work and they replicate the tactics, but don't get anywhere near the returns that they get. It's because you're missing the key drivers of behavior. It's like, just because you're, if someone donates 300 bucks and this person only plays with their one hand, doesn't mean that'll actually work. Like why it works is because maybe that streamer has a huge following. That streamer can call out that person. It's not, you're, you're tapping into the, the actual deep driver. When you have, when you have streamers that are fundraising for you that don't seem like they care about the cause because it looks like they're being paid to be there, which I actually I'm very against because I think this, you're finding the wrong people anyways. People That's feel it. It feels right? weird. Mm-hmm. It, it feels really weird. It's, it's like, yeah. And I won't name any of those campaigns, but there are some campaigns where they just had the top streamers in the world, top sponsors, super great production, but they missed the cause. Like, the, like this didn't feel genuine. And it's, and you can see in the comments, like this is pretty awesome, but this feels weird. Like it's, yeah. and they didn't raise anywhere near where they thought they should have. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, you didn't fail because like, and this comes back to failure. It's like, how, do you actually know how to identify why you failed? Because I think when it comes to learning lessons from failure, the biggest problem is people don't actually know what they're learning. Mm-hmm. They, they might think it's one thing, but it's actually not that. How did you know it's that thing for sure? Or even when you succeed, how did you know? Gaming, like, this campaign didn't succeed because they did all this. It actually succeeded because of that. How do you know? Like, so... Yeah, I'm no, just kind of rambling, but you're, no, 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 you're not rambling. You're actually making a lot yeah. of sense, and I, and I and I love it, and it just leads to more questions. So, like with with what is possible, right? Like we're ta- you're talking about it at, right now at, you know, you you talked about it at the local level, essentially, if you think about it, with one dude that has 200 followers that raised 10 grand, and then obviously at like the pinnacle of of you know where it is at with Ninja and this other gentleman. I'm sorry, I forget his name off the top of the head. Um, yeah. But like, so what what do you do with Princess Margaret and how are you building this out to make sure that A, it's authentic because as we brought up multiple times during this last hour, it's one of the most important things to the audience, which is it really is of any audience, right? Like every audience wants to make sure it's authentic because if it's not, then we're all going to get angry, what, no matter what. But I feel like in esports mm-hmm. and gaming, it might be that extra level. Um, so what are you doing to make sure it's authentic and how are you going about about it to make sure that you're building the right structure and processes so that way this is something that can really do damage in terms of bringing in money and, and making sure it's the most successful it can be yeah no great question so right away 
I ended up partnering with uh, the leading charity tech solution provider in this space because what was happening, the problem that was happening in the past was where you'd have these streamers do a campaign and people would donate to the streamer and just hope the streamer donated to the charity. That's just a whole messy thing. So now you have these actual uh, tech providers providing the overlay where you can click donate. When someone donates, their name pops up. All The whole tech experience. That was... When you have like St. Jude and Extra Life, that's why, like, that's partially why they did so well is because they did this 10 years ago. Like this technology was new, is super exciting. It was like, wow, like this technology is available to every charity now. You can't compete on a UX level anymore. Like the technology is just so simple. You just integrate it, implement it. Where you can compete is the emotional level. When you think of a a product, it, it has a functional use and it has an emotional thing. And so... One, how do we create such an amazing emotional experience for anyone that participates? And so what am I doing for Princess Margaret? Helping them get into this space. One, what is our biggest challenge? Well, we don't have a global brand. Like, like Princess Margaret isn't, we're, we're a top five research center in the world, but people, the millennials don't really know who Princess Margaret is and our campaign doesn't even exist yet. So how do we actually get into the market? Well, one, I have to find fundraisers or people, or ambassadors that believe in what we do, believe in Princess Margaret and get to market do that first. Can they help us raise money? For sure. But what I want them to do is help us build brand equity, inspire streamers from around the world to, hey, if you want to be a part of this campaign, go to this website. Here, you'll learn everything. And it's a completely do-it-yourself fundraising campaign. And so uh, what I'm letting you know is that there's an appetite for streamers to set up their own charity campaign. We want to do everything we can to provide you with all the tools, all the assets, um, the, the the visuals, the the pricing, the spot. And we want, we want to make it as help you help us. That's like the, the, the premise of it, regardless of what level you are. Do we want those super top level tier streamers to do it for us? Of course we do. But that's not our focus because it has to be authentic. I can't, like, and that's why I'm, I'm looking for Canadian streamers first. Not, not, there could be an American streamer who's like, oh, wow, Princess Market, my parents were treated there, blah, blah, blah. Great. But I think it's easiest when you find Canadian streamers first to help us go to the market. And then when you create a campaign where people want to be a part of because of everything, that, the whole experience, then can, it, can we make it super easy for them to get on board? Like that's like the, the kind of high level gist of it. Um, but I'm working with some of the, some really great teams, really great people um, and spot and brands and whatnot to kind of think about how we do it this year. And I don't want to uh, spoil too much because we're not actually in market yet. Cause because last year Princess Market had some, had a pilot. I wasn't there at the time and, and they didn't, they didn't do as well as they thought they would, but it was a pilot. And I remember going to the website during my, during my interview, I went to the website, I looked at the campaign. I'm like, this is the cheesiest thing I've ever seen. This is like, <laughs> you're like, like, this is the logo was just like this fist holding a controller. If you go on Unsplash or any of those like websites, I just give you free art, look yep. up gaming. This is the first thing that pops up. And it's like, Oh, cancer is the biggest boss, blah, blah, blah. We need to defeat cancer. Like, I get it. I get what you're trying to do. Like, gamers like defeating yeah, stuff, but it's like, but, uh... it's very cheesy. And so understanding gaming culture and it's not just, you don't, and this comes back to something where you don't need to sell gaming to gamers. That's, that's a huge misconception. And it's not like gaming companies can't even sell gaming games to gamers very well. You know, they're all trying to fight for gamers attention and for them to play. But when you understand gaming culture and what goes into it, whether it be the music, the art, the street, where all these different things that talk to a gamer and why they do what they do, that you can start crafting some really creative stuff to, to 
for this. And so that's the, the premise of the campaign. Again, all going back to authenticity. People can sniff that stuff out. If you see, as you said, go to Unsplash and search gaming. Uh, yeah, that's probably a fist holding a controller. You know, let's defeat the boss. Again, yeah. we see where they're, what they're trying to do um, and we mm-hmm. respect it. Again, it's, it's all for a great cause, but yes. clearly, yeah, they're missing that level of authenticity. So when you, so so my question was going to be, how did you, sell this to them but clearly they were already sold by the time you got there but the pilot didn't go so well so did they kind of search you out and say hey how can you help us or did you go and say hey this is something i think i could help you improve because i know all of this i know the understanding i've worked with these gamers i know these types of things how did that conversation happen so the, the why my role exists is because of the market validation from charities like St. Jude and uh, the Children's uh, Hospital of Miracle, Miracle Health Network because they raise they raise tens of millions every single year and so they know this place works and just because it didn't work in the pilot doesn't mean exactly we can't yep. do better and something with princess margaret which i find incredible is they have something called an innovation fund where one percent of net fundraising revenue goes towards new create like innovative ideas that can change the way we fundraise gaming was identified as one of them and so even though it didn't work last year like okay just because it didn't work coming back to the failure thing doesn't mean we didn't we, we can't still succeed in the space. And so when they released the role to have someone full-time, because my predecessor, awesome individual, she actually worked uh, for the Canadian Olympic Committee and uh, lawyer, super, super smart, just not a gamer. And you don't need to be a gamer. You just need to understand this world very well. And being a gamer really helps. <laughs> and so, and so like, it's... Um, when they, when they released this role, because she, she ended up leaving, but they, they released a full-time role. This role found me. It was it was everyone in my network knew the kind of stuff that I was into, what I was doing. And it just like, I just got all these recommendations from everyone. It felt really, it was a really cool feeling. When I was interviewing, uh, we just hit it off. Like I didn't know too much about like the charity aspect in the gaming world, but it wasn't hard to really grasp how it worked and like how you could start thinking about it. Um, and so came on board, spent the first several months just really understanding the space. Like I already understood the space as a, as a consumer, but also working with esports athletes, but esports is very different than the just purely entertainment side of gaming. So um, what I got to do was kind of travel the world and go to these different conventions and campaigns and just speak with as many people as I could. That's because I think that's the most powerful way when building a campaign is you need to speak to who you think your target market is. One, you, who's your target market? And then B, what do they actually need? Like, what do they actually, what do they actually feel? And so I got, uh, I got the, the pleasure of doing that. And I ended up having, doing a town hall for the entire company. Cause they're like, everyone's like, we have this gaming guy at the company. But we don't really know what he does. And so ended up just having a, a town, oh, an hour town hall had nothing to do with the strategy I was working on, but had everything to do with, I'm just going to give you a crash course in the gaming space and why this role even exists and everyone was just so excited after that oh they're just like that's too yeah, like it, how many how many like huh like what like what kind of faces are you getting when you're up there i was being very meticulous with my slides and how i did it uh-huh. and uh, i was like working with some of the people leading in this space kind of hey how do i tell this story in a way that makes sense to like everybody and yep. so at the end of the day i felt like it went very very well bought me a lot more time i and was then, gonna say you're still there <laughs> man. you're doing something right but uh, ended up, uh, but now it's like, how do I speak the language of the senior leadership team and the board? Because now there's going to be an investment ask. There's I actually have to have a strategy where it doesn't, it's not all gaming talk. It's actually how to pull take a step back. This isn't just 
finding, building the right charity campaign for the right individual. It's, it's a product market fit. It's like, how do I, who's our target and what's the product we're creating and why? And, like, and, this, and so now it's coming back to my business grounds, right? And so that was both a challenge, but also an awesome, awesome learning opportunity. Uh, I got to present in front of the senior leadership team just a couple months ago and just got a, a unanimous green light. And their questions, their constant questioning was really helpful for me because like, I don't know what you don't know. And when you're asking someone like, how do you communicate with them? Like, what's the email campaign? Actually, the, it's going to be through this software called Discord or whatever it might be. And it's like, oh, right, well, how's that work? Well, if you want me to explain that, that's a whole different me. <laughs> like, it's like, there's certain things where I can't go down these rabbit holes. If you want to have an offline conversation, great. But here is the strategy, and this is how I I intend for us to raise money. You know, so um, I love it, man. That is so cool. It's, it is hard. It is very very hard. Oh to, my goodness, yeah. Every single person I meet, like, okay, how much I gotta gauge how much they know <laughs> about gaming, and then work on my pitch. And so mm-hmm. my pitch has been kind of shoddy like depending on like but at the same time it, when I we think, have long form conversations it's really helpful because I, yes, I can talk a lot longer exactly i was gonna say i think you did a great job but i'm sure everybody doesn't want to give you an, an hour and 15 minutes or whatever we're gonna get to at this point but kevin you're yeah. you're incredible man and i i love it yeah. and especially because it's for a good cause i think george is meowing um if i'm not mistaken i feel like i yeah, can you, hear him you are i'm so sorry if that's been no, dude, coming I, up i do know it's just like two let, let your cat in man let your cat in it's cool we got time we're good. We're good. And it's funny because like when I'm playing games, it doesn't actually sound like a meow. It's like mm. an old man grumbles. Like, yes, yeah. It's, it's not. It's, it's not like a, a lively spry. You know, like hey, come get me. It's more like come on, man, just open the friggin' door. Like let's go. Yeah. Um, and and, and I have fun. a compressor on my mic where any volume that's kind of to a certain threshold it it, it, it heightens mm-hmm. and so i guess when he mouths to a certain volume it just gets really loud it worked perfectly no i just heard him twice i think the first time i was like was that george and the second time it was definitely george <laughs> kevin um, sounds but- hungry <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no man i mean like what what is it about so as you said like everybody knew that this job was for you what is it about the princess margaret and you even said earlier you know you've been supporting them what is it about princess margaret that you get so excited about in helping this charity and this foundation I believe in their like their their mission is to conquer cancer in our lifetime. Like it's and the reason why I started supporting them about five years ago was because when my dad was diagnosed with cancer, um, the hospital that he went to was actually supported by Princess Margaret. Like Princess Margaret, yeah, we're localized in Toronto, but this like the amount of support they provide globally, like that was like I was like, wow, that's actually so cool. The research and like I didn't like something like insulin. Like insulin has nothing to do like we discovered insulin at like at our at our research center. I was like, what? Why? Oh, because they believe in increasing the or enhancing the immune system, and insulin was something that was, yeah, we was intended for cancer, but it's actually for something it's for diabetes now, you know, and so, um, and it wasn't just what they're doing in this space for cancer; it's how they think about charity as a whole. Like they treat it like a business. You can't just expect people to give you money forever. Like people like. Research requires a lot of money and I won't even get into the whole conversation of why cancer feels like a black hole because it's quite complex and but they've taken money to multiply money and in something like so for example the, the Princess Margaret lottery the, the lottery it, it, we don't even keep that in the same books as our fundraising because we invest a lot of money for this campaign. We, we we raised like 120 million from it last year, but it, 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 it's, it's like and even from hiring talent or the way they think, they believe in high. 
They believe in paying people the right amount, a competitive price, so you attract the best talent. The better the talent you get, the, the more money you raise, right? Rather than like, all right, we're, we're a nonprofit, let's just chin out on money. And like, no one should ever have to decide, I have this great job at Apple or Coca-Cola or whatever it might be. I really want to do nonprofit, but I don't want to give up my financials. So there's a balance between that, right? It's like, how can you actually get those people because they believe in the cause, but give them enough of a a living to have a happy life, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so just... And the way they do their fundraisers, they're, they're, we're known for our mega peer-to-peer fundraising events. Like well, five years ago when I did the ride from here to Niagara Falls and uh, raised all that, like, raised all that money, and I ended up captaining a team. It was an incredible experience. It's unforgettable. It's, and you just had to be there. And they do that for all their events. It's like, they understand that it's, in order to kind of, keep people engaged you need to give them something right and, and, and it's they i remember doing these other different campaigns and it just when i was done it it just felt like it ended it just oh that was kind of anticlimactic you know like <laughs> raise yeah. all the money this is great but it's like they put so much thought into making every donor every fundraiser feel something and to enjoy this experience feel part of this thing feel their impact i'm like that's I want to work for this charity. Like this charity, like, uh, cancer was very close to me because of my family. This is the leading one in can uh, in Canada, and this is why. And something as like the innovation fund, that just shows the kind of foundation they are. Where it's like they believe in the future. They believe like we're. No- I don't even know. I don't even have the words for it. it, it it's just I, I I really believe in the in, in this in this place. I'm so happy to be there, and I don't even think like there's so many different causes I believe in. But I don't, I, I don't see myself working any other foundation, you know. So mm-hmm. yeah, and this one's, I mean, obviously this one has touched you, um, you know, personally with your father. But I, I can hear mm-hmm. it, and and I can feel, you know, the energy <laughs> that you have for it, which I think is really mm-hmm. important. You might not have the words, but I can understand what, um, you know, what you're trying to say and how you're trying to say it. And I really do appreciate that. So thank you. Um, you know, really do appreciate it. My dad also um, had a little bit of had, had a little bit of a cancer scare for a minute there. Luckily, everything was fine. Um, but yeah, man, it's 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 huge. It affects a lot of people, especially when you think of the family members um, and you know how far that reach gets. I mean, essentially everybody. It feels like you know everybody that I know at least knows one person, if not multiple, um, at this point that's yeah. been affected by cancer. So it's it's one of those things that you know hopefully you know through what you're doing um, and helping you know, raise significant amounts of money. I'm assuming you're going to try and take that that 120 million. Um, it's going to take you a little while to get there with gaming and esports, but I think oh no, I, 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 I absolutely believe it, so. And I want to, and I guess one of the the things I want to make sure within this campaign is that we actually learn how to articulate the impact that people are making, especially in the millennial demographic. Like a lot of the people that are very vested into cancer, they understand why there's so much money that yeah, goes into exactly. it. But like, what is the simple narrative? Like here's where we were, here's where we are, which is a drastic difference. Our survival rates are drastically different. And this is where we intend to be. And this is what we're doing. Like this is what we're doing to do that. And this, and then the, the, that's kind of why money is required. Like I, I get it when people are like, oh, cancer is cured, blah, 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 this, this, and that. Like, same time like it's not even close to like it's it just shows how naive you are like just do a little bit of research on some credible sites and it's like i don't know it's it's there's a huge there's a lot of challenges that i want to kind of overcome and communication is absolutely one of them 
Absolutely. It's, it's and, and I think uh, one so. thing about our generation specifically that I, it leads to your point of saying, like, we just want to see, like, you know, it's, it's always like, you know, don't show how the sausage is made, right? Like, don't show the behind the scenes. That's what our, our, gener- our parents' generation before them, we all love that behind the scenes shit, right? Yes, like, that's it. Yes. Like, again, going back to gaming, like, I want to see you practice your, you know, this, that, and the other thing. I will sit down and watch LeBron James practice a hook shot. That is so much more interesting than watching him play in a game. I want to see the process. We're so process-oriented, I think. At least our generation is, or at least most of the people. I, you know, I want to see what that's like. I want to see those incremental steps and in what you do on a daily basis because it's so easy for my parents to be like, oh, you know, he, he, he woke up like that. No, he didn't. Freaking, he did not wake up like that. That's yeah, yeah. Of course yeah. he did not. You just don't see the behind the scenes of what he does for 12 hours that lead up to a basketball game. You don't know exactly how regimented and everything that he does on that, you know, to get to be the greatest player on earth. And we kind of like that stuff. So I do agree totally to your point, especially going back to millennials. Like, show me uh, what you're doing. Like, I will believe you more if yes. you just show me what the heck is going on. And, and, and that's it, especially with something like research, it's less tangible. Like just because we put a million dollars into research doesn't mean we're going to have a cure tomorrow, but we'll show you kind of like what we're actually doing with that and the kind of research that we're doing. Um, but uh, yeah, that's a, we're something we're working on as well. So. Yeah, that's another one. And then yeah. one last question um, for you. What, um, so you talked about the gaming and the streaming side a little bit. Can you go into what exactly you're thinking when it comes towards the esports side is that like sponsoring events and then all the money goes to the charity or or is there something a little bit more specific or can you not even talk about that yet no we, we can talk about that i'll talk about it as um kind of like what the appetite is and kind of talking with certain teams like similar to the way uh traditional sports works it's you have different teams supporting a specific cause or whatever it might be it's just it's like when you have the raptors you have a lot of raptors players going to support uh youth basketball or whatever the thing they believe in Esports, it's something similar where they're trying to mimic the kind of infrastructure that traditional sports has. And there's always a charity or philanthropy side of it. And so say we're working with a professional team and all of their players or whatever, this is their year goal. This is how they do it. And they're going to help bring our name to the market or X, Y, Z. And so got to think through because I, in every scenario, I want to make sure that we're adding value to them as well. Like, yeah, you guys want to help a charity and all that, but we want to provide a, a business, a, a symbiotic relationship with you guys. Mm-hmm. Like, like, exactly. Like, yeah, yeah, you guys believe in this cause, but you guys are also trying to help with your marketing and your name and X, Y, Z. And I, I, I know that. Like, I, you don't have to pretend like you know. <laughs> you know, it's not a hundred percent altruistic, even though there there might be. But like, how do I make sure that we can help with that as well? And so we're we're speaking with a couple world-renowned teams and, and possible partnerships, and just so that would be the esports side as well. And. Okay. Uh, and it just ties directly into the entertainment side because the entertainment side is falls right into the esports mm-hmm. side. Like when you have these players who are also streamers and all that, it all just kind of touches each other. So, mm-hmm. um, and it's a different revenue stream as well. So, I love it, man. Kevin, this was awesome. Thank you so much. I really yeah. Sorry. Oh, yeah. No. Thank oh, you. Sorry. I, I think... Sorry about dude. This was fantastic. This is exactly. This is literally why I do this. Like a hundred percent. You know, like people are gonna listen. They're gonna learn a lot about what you do. How you're completely taking a whole different angle on something that most people don't even really know about yet. Um, like yeah. people are still like. What do you mean you can play video games like as a sport? It's like, where have you been? Are you under a rock, man? Dude, like, they, they, I, I had those conversations too. And you were sure. a, a fantastic host. Like, I feel like you, you really helped me kind of keep my head together. Perfect, <laughs> that, that is my weakness. Uh, <laughs> you're great, man. And one last, one last question. What are you reading yeah. right now? Give me the book you're reading oh, right now. Oh, uh, 
Ogilvy. Uh, it's an advertising book. It's uh, Ogilvy on advertising. Okay, um, I read that one. That's it, a good one. Really, it's it's funny because I like to read modern books because I I feel like certain things are which is actually completely false thinking. Is there books that people are still uh, reading from a long time ago? It's, I'm it's, never it's, gonna it's, watch it's, black and white TV, man. Like you're good. I see where you're coming from. I see where you're coming from. First paragraph, that guy calls calls people like me idiots. <laughs> yep. I was like, okay, I'm I'm so I'm so. Uh, so that that's the, one of the books I'm reading because we're going through a whole branding thing, um, developing a brand. So I wanted to read that. Uh, there's another book called uh, The First Ninety Days because I'm hiring I'm hiring people on a team now, and I want to make sure their first ninety days are really mm-hmm. good. So mm-hmm. those are the kind of the, the two books. Oh, and oh, Blitz Scaling by Reed Hoffman. Fantastic business book. I highly recommend his his podcast, Masters of Scale. Best business podcast I've ever listened to. Highly recommend that. So awesome. those are I, I just juggle. I like to juggle books. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not big, big on. I'm not much of a non non uh, a, a fiction uh, reader. Mm-hmm. Although my girlfriend loves the psychological thrillers. <laughs> yeah, so we're in the same boat. Like I read all the books that you read, and my girlfriend reads just these ridiculous, just trashy two dollar books that just pass the time. And hey, man, teach his own. As long as you're happy, yeah. that's all we're here to do. So, Kevin, sincerely, man, this was so much fun. Manager of esports and gaming at Princess Market Cancer Foundation. All links will be in the show notes, whether that's to donate, whether that's to just yeah. learn more about Kevin, see his socials, all that stuff. Kevin, sincerely appreciate your time today, man. Yo, Michael, thank you so much for having me. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to this episode with Kevin Trong. As I said, it was so interesting how he's been able to take what he knows and loves and then apply it to something as incredible as a cancer foundation. So I'm very grateful that I had this conversation with Kevin. Please make sure to check out everything in the show notes. That'll give you a little bit more information on what he's doing, how he's doing it, how you can even help, which I think is very important. So, and also just make sure to follow him on all his socials, give him everything there, give him a little love. That's really important. Tell him we sent you. And if you could, um, please give this a five-star review or, or a star or whatever the heck application you use. Just make sure you're subscribing. That sincerely helps us out and more people get to hear these incredible conversations like the one I had today with Kevin. So thank you all so much and I hope you make it a wonderful day. Yes.